0: 2nd Peter chapter 1 verse 5 Now for this very reason also applying all diligence in your faith supply moral excellence and in your moral excellence knowledge and in your knowledge self-control and in your self-control perseverance and in your perseverance godliness and in your godliness brotherly kindness and in your brotherly kindness love for if these qualities are yours and are increasing they render you neither useless nor unfruitful in the true knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For he who lacks these qualities is blind or short-sighted, having forgotten his purification from his former sins. Therefore, brethren, be all the more diligent to make certain about his calling and choosing you. For as long as you practice these things, you will never stumble. For in this way the entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, will be abundantly supplied to you. Therefore, I will always be ready to remind you of these of, of these things, even though you already know them, and have been established in the truth which is present in you. I consider it right, as long as I am in this earthly dwelling, to stir you up by way of reminder, knowing that the, lay, the laying aside of my earthly dwelling is imminent, as also our Lord Jesus Christ has made clear to me. And I will also be diligent that at any time after my departure, you will be able to call these things to mind. Alright, so, he gave us this list of, of qualities that he wanted evident in our lives, and we spoke about this last week, starting in verse 5. And so he lists these, this moral excellence, or, or which is virtue, and uh, uh, knowledge, and, and then he, when, he, when he expands upon knowledge, it's actually knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ he's, he expands upon later. And then he says self-control, perseverance, godliness, brotherly kindness, and, uh, and love. And then he says, he's, he, he talks about these qualities, and then he says if you lack these, you're, you're going to be in trouble. But he says if, if these are in your life, you will neither be useless nor unfruitful in verse 8 in the true knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. So if you want to have a useful Christian life, he says get these qualities going in your life. Get these qualities going in your life. And if you neglect these, you're short-sighted because it's going to affect you. So those are things we talked about last time. Verse 10, Therefore, brethren, be all the more diligent to make certain about his calling and choosing you. So if you look in, in some other versions, it'll say his calling and his election. Uh, uh, um. His calling and his election, or his calling and his choosing you. For as long as you practice these things, you will never stumble. Uh, those are pretty strong words, it's, but it says if we are practicing these things, we will never stumble. That is an amazing comment, that if you want to keep from stumbling, you practice these things, which would suggest that when we stumble, we are, we are failing to practice some of these things. And uh, that's part of the problem. Here, that that uh, when we're stumbling, we're failing to practice some of these things. So that's why he says these are really important. And he says that, that you know, no one can change their, their calling and their, their election. Election is something that's from God. But what he's saying he is here is when these things are active in your life, it affects you. This is very much like what we learned in James, which is another one of the Messianic Jewish epistles that we covered a few years ago. In James chapter 2, verse 20 through 26, James chapter 2, verse 20 through 26, it says, But are you willing to recognize, you foolish fellow, that faith without works is useless? Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered up Isaac his son on the altar? You see that faith was working with his works, and as a result of works, faith was perfected. And as the scripture was fulfilled which says and Abraham believed God and it was reckoned to him as righteousness and he was called the friend of God. You see that man is justified by works and not by faith alone. In the same way was not Rahab the harlot also justified by works when she received the messengers and sent them out by another way. For just as the body without the spirit is dead so faith without works is dead. You know many people and and from what I have experienced, particularly those that are coming from the Islamic faith will question Christians about works. They'll say, look, if it's not by works, you, you know, it means you don't have to do anything. And, and uh, there's a real misunderstanding there because God calls us to something that he calls us to, to uh, that we're not saved because of our works, but it, it is clearly that it, it's a manifestation of what happens in our lives. And this is in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 through 10. Ephesians chapter 2, 8 through 10, it says, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is a gift of God, not as a result of works, so that no one may boast. Our salvation is, is not based on works. However, the next verse, in, in, in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, it says, For we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus Four good works, which God prepared beforehand so that we should walk in them. It says that we are saved by our faith. And then after that faith comes, works are manifest in our lives. And they are to be manifest in our lives. He says that we are his workmanship. We are created in Christ Jesus for good works. Our lives are to be filled with good works. And that's why you see the good works of Christians all over the place. If you go Anywhere in the world, the vast majority of hospitals have been set up through, through the work of Christ, through, through those who have been laboring for Christ. The, the vast amount of work, so much work in cities in, uh, across the world is done in, in, uh, in, uh, for faith in Christ. And so there was somebody that was going to... I forget the name of the, the author. He was writing a book. He was going to write about uh, um, uh, the work, uh, uh, about Christian life. And then he saw how much work... Christians were accomplishing throughout the world. He was a journalist and he wrote a book called uh, uh, Christianity Without the Blowhards. And so what he was saying is if you look at at, uh, uh, the work of Christians all over the world, it's huge the amount of works that are done by Christian communities around the world. And so he said that, that in the United States you can get a bad impression of Christians by certain ones that that, that uh, by certain people. But but don't throw all that out because there's so much tremendous work being done. And he and, and uh, in, for, in Second Peter, what he's doing is he's saying that these works will will uh, uh, they will confirm they will be evidence of your calling and your choosing, evidence of your election is your practicing of these works. And in verse 11, 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 11, For in this way the entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ will be abundantly supplied to you. When we are about the works of God, it changes our whole attitude toward Christian service, toward Christian life, toward living. If we are, if, if we are delinquent in these things, it, it it tells us what the negative side of this is. It says, Uh, In verse 9, for he who lacks these qualities is blind or short-sighted, having forgotten his purification from his former sins. It says that if we are not about good works, what happens is we forget about Jesus' purification in our lives from our former sins. We will forget it. We will stop appreciating it. It's as we do good works, it gives us a greater appreciation for what God has done in our lives. We get a greater appreciation when we are about good works. This is something that He has for us. This is something that, that, that He's included for us here. Verse, verse uh, uh, 12 of 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 12. Therefore, I will always be ready to remind you of these things, even though you already know them and have been established in the truth which is present in you. He says therefore I will always be ready to remind you and and you may remember that I told you that the, the the key word in this in this whole epistle is remembrance the whole thing about remembrance and, and over and over again Peter is going to remind is going to use that word remembrance or remember or remind you he says in verse 12 therefore I will always be ready to remind you of these things even though you already know them so these are what he is characterizing as mature believers at this point in first peter he said you need the milk of the word and in second peter he's giving us the meat of the word no longer the milk because this is a few years after that so it shows you in his time frame a few years is sufficient to bring you from being in the milk of the word to being in the meat of the word to really knowing and embracing these things it need not take you decades and decades that's fine for being built up all the more. But you can go from being new believers in Christ to, to having a fair level of maturity in Christ just three or four years into a relationship with God if you've walked in these things. It's amazing what the Word of God can do, how the Word of God can change a life. And I see this all the time. I see believers go from not knowing anything about Jesus, uh, unbelievers not knowing anything about Jesus, to becoming believers and, those, and then walking in faith And reading the scriptures every day. And their lives change. Their lives change. And over a period of months. You begin to see these amazing changes. And people notice it in their lives. And he says I'm always going to be here to remind you. I'm going to be here to remind you. Even though you already know them. And this is why we go to church. And this is why we participate in Bible studies. We can't say well I know all that already. I don't need that anymore. No. We need these things. We need these things to continue to be put into our lives. We need this reminder. We need constant reminding because I'll tell you, our hearts are wicked and they easily get set astray. So we constantly need reminders in our life. And and so that's what he says, even though you already know them and you've been established in the truth, which is present in you. He says, you've been established in the truth. There's this establishment in the truth that's already there. In verse, it's in Luke 22, verse 31 and 32. Luke 22:31, Luke 22:31. it says this, "Simon, Simon, behold, Satan has demanded permission to sift you like wheat, but I have prayed for you that your faith may not fail, and you, when once you have turned again, strengthen your brothers." This word, strengthen your brothers. He said, he said uh, 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 and remember, Peter, Peter denied the Lord three times. Then Peter repented. He comes back to the Lord. And he says, When, you have, when, when once you have turned again, strengthen your brothers. This word, strengthen your brothers, in Luke 22, uh, uh, 32, is the same word here that's translated in this context, uh, uh, having been... Uh, um, established in the truth, that, that um, uh, he's, he's calling them to be strengthened, to be established. And he's already done this. He has already strengthened his brothers. They are established. It's the same concept, the same thing that he's saying. <clears throat> he says, you're already established. And so Peter had already done this. He had already established them. They were established in the truth. He was confident in them. But now he's reminding them of these things. And this is why you may have walked with the Lord 10 or 20 years, but still we need to be in Bible study. We need to be in the Word of God because we constantly need to be reminded of these things because our hearts are so utterly wicked and they're so easily uh, brought in into that which is not good. So he's reminding them of these things and he says, I have no trouble reminding you of these things. Look in verse 13 of Second Peter chapter. Chapter 1, 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 13. I consider it right, as long as I am in this earthly dwelling, to stir you up by way of reminder. So he, says, he says, look, as long as I'm in this earthly dwelling, as long as I, I, I have this body of mine, I'm going to stir you up by way of reminder. There's this, this word reminder again. Part of remembrance. This this, this this theme throughout his book. He says, I'm going to stir you up by way of reminder, as long as I'm in this body, I'm going to continue to do it. And this is a great attitude to have. As long as I'm in this body, I'm going to continue to serve the Lord. I'm going to continue to be what it's about. There is no retirement. We don't see any retirement in the Bible. It's just not there. So, so you know, I think retirement can be a great thing. Uh, I've, I've, not, I've not participated in it yet. And, and Shireen shireen doesn't want me to retire because she wouldn't know what to do with me at home because when i'm at home i'm always telling her what to do you know don't put that there you know or don't cook it like that and she looks at me like you don't know what you're talking about so she wants me to go to work because if 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 i'm home she just assumes i'm sick and so so um uh and he says he says in the lord you know i'm not going to retire from this i am always going to be here to remind you i'm always going to be here to remind you to push you along and, uh, and he says, "I have no trouble while I'm in this body. I'm going to continue to stir you up by way of reminder." Verse fourteen of Second Peter chapter one, knowing that the laying aside of my earthly dwelling is imminent, as also our Lord Jesus Christ has made clear to me, the laying aside of my earthly, uh, uh, um, of, uh, the laying aside of my earthly dwelling is imminent. It is imminent. And and uh, uh, he says it's going to happen. Now, so it's a couple of years later. This is written in about 65 A.D. This is written in about 65, somewhere between 64 and 66 A.D., which would make Peter about 65 years old at this time. So it gives you an idea of how old Peter was. And Peter says, you know, I'm going to be late. My, my body is is going to be Uh, laying aside soon it is imminent meaning that it is going to be coming very soon he may have gotten another revelation that that now it's really coming or he may just have been living off the first revelation that was given to him in john chapter 21 verse 18 john chapter 21 verse 18 uh, uh, jesus said to peter he said truly truly i say to you when you were younger you used to gird yourself and walk wherever you wished But when you grow old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will gird you and bring you where you do not wish to go. Now this, he said, signifying by what kind of death he would glorify God. And when he had spoken this, he said to him, follow me. So Jesus is speaking to Peter and telling him what your death is going to be like. And look how he puts this. He says, he says, uh, uh, signifying by what kind of death he would glorify God. Interestingly, death glorifies God. Death of a believer brings glory to God. Death of the believer brings glory to God. By what kind of death he would glorify God? This is a tremendous perspective. When you are in the Lord, when the person is in the Lord, their death can glorify God. It can be a glory to God. By what kind of death he would glorify God? Now, we have extra-biblical writings that say that Peter was crucified upside down. That Peter said, I'm not even worthy to be crucified because my, my Lord was crucified. I'm not even worthy to be crucified. So he elected to be crucified upside down. And this whole idea that when you grow old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will gird you and bring you where you do not wish to go. This is part of growing old. I mean, this is being really nailed home to me these days because... My brother and my sister and, and I were all together uh, this week, and we were making many decisions on behalf of my father, who is, who is uh, uh, probably on his deathbed right now. And uh, we have to make many decisions on his behalf, and he, he doesn't particularly like it. He just says, I want to go. And... Uh, um, uh, he, he, and, and I can understand. I mean, this is, this guy was, was, was quite independent and he, and he could, and he misses my mom who passed away four years ago, but, um, we have to make some big decisions for him. And so, so this is a natural tendency when you grow old, other people are going to make decisions on your behalf. So whether you grow old and, and die of old age, or whether you die a martyr, I mean these things happen and he says you're going to be brought where you do not wish to go and he was signifying what Peter's death would be like but he did say when you grow old. So that implication immediately tells Peter that he was not going to die as a young man. Peter I mean most of us have no idea when we're going to die but Peter was not going to die as a young man. He was one of the few people who had some inkling that he was going to live to be to, to old age? None of us has that assurance, and uh, uh, beforehand, and so so. Uh, but Peter knows now that his dwelling—it is imminent—that he is going to die, and he dies shortly after this. Uh, uh, we don't know exactly how far after, but if you just look at what what uh, uh, the extra biblical accounts point to, it's it's something something. Uh, uh, around 65 years old, it will say. So it was very close to the point where he's dying. So when he writes this book, he says, my death is imminent now. And he says in verse 15 of Second Peter chapter 1, and I will also be diligent that at any time after my departure, you will be able to call these things to mind, or you will be able to remember, again, this whole thing about remembrance. So he, we saw that when he wrote First Peter, when Peter wrote uh, 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 the epistle of First Peter, um, it was written by Barnabas at Peter's dictation. And just three verses to the end, Peter grabs the pen and writes the last few sentences of that epistle. Peter was a fisherman. Peter didn't particularly like writing. And I understand. I mean, some people like writing and some people don't like writing. And Peter didn't particularly like writing. And when he wrote, he was having Barnabas dictate that thing for him. And that was a few years before his writing of, of this epistle. And and so now he's saying, I've got to write these things down now. Now, it was, it's, it's understood, it's believed that Peter was the source behind the gospel according to Mark. that John Mark was the one who penned it, but Peter was the one who gave him the accounts of these things. Uh, uh, but here he's having to put these things down. He says, because now it's imminent, I've got to leave you with these things. So he's leaving us the written word, the establishment of the written word. And so now let's look in in, in, verse, in, in verse 16 for we did not follow cleverly devised tales when we made known to you the power and the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ but we were eyewitnesses of his majesty <clears throat> so he tells us that this is different this is different than the talmaic mishnaic writings of the rabbis if you read the talmud it's just story it's stories and and these things there a lot of times there's no scriptural basis behind these stories Uh, uh, And he says, he he talks about this same sort of thing in in other passages are talked about. For example, Paul talked about this in Titus, Titus chapter 1, the book of Titus, uh, chapter 1, verse 12, Titus chapter 1, verse 12, one of themselves, a prophet of their own said, "Christians are always liars, evil beasts, lazy gluttons. This testimony is true. For this reason, reprove them severely so that they may be sound in faith not paying attention to Jewish myths and commandments of men who turn away from the truth. So Paul is writing to his dear uh, son in the faith, in a sense, Titus, a young man in the faith who he had left in charge of one of the churches in Crete. And he left him in charge of this church in Crete. And he's he's saying, you know, uh, Paul writes to them, and this is really very interesting. He says, even one of their own prophets, even a, a a Cretan prophet has said, "Cretians are always liars, evil beasts, lazy gluttons. So in other words, a Cretian can speak about other Cretans. People from Crete can speak about other Cretans. So you, you see this for a lot of times. So, so I'm Jewish. So it gives me a little bit more freedom to speak as a Jew to Jews and about Jews because I'm Jewish. You'll see the same sort of thing. If, if someone is, is black they can speak more freely about the black community because they themselves are black and they're given more liberty to speak about the black community because they themselves are black. He says one of their own prophets who's a Cretan himself said of Cretans, Cretans are always liars, evil beasts, lazy gluttons. And then Paul follows it up with this testimony is true. So Paul is agreeing with that guy. So you see Paul's Paul's sense of humor, Paul is not woke. I mean, he's just calling it as it is. And he says, it's true. He says, Cretans, every one of them is a liar, an evil beast, a lazy glutton. And, uh, you know, this is a broad characterization. And he says, the testimony is true. Then he says, for this reason, reprove them severely. So he's telling Titus, who's the pastor to the Cretans, reprove these people severely so that they may be sound in faith, not paying attention to Jewish myths and commandments of men who turn away from the truth. If you read the Talmudic writings, the Talmud and the Mishnah, if you read these writings, it is full of stories, it is full of myths, and it is full of the commandments of men. And Jesus said to the Pharisees, He said, it is the commandments of men that have made the Word of God of no effect. Meaning that you have given so many human-made commandments to people that they're so overwhelmed they can't even distinguish this anymore from the commandments of men versus the commandments of God, and they don't know what to obey here. And And Jesus came against them for this, and in fact, and he said, they even elevated, and you can read their writings, they have elevated their own teachings of men above the scriptural commandments because there was greater penalty for disobeying the, 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 the Mishnaic commandments than that of, of the scriptural commandments even. And so, so this is why I try to be very careful not to put upon you things that are in my own thoughts. So for example, I try to eat low gluten. That has nothing to do with spirituality. That is totally a physical choice. I will never put that upon anybody. That's something I have put upon myself. That is a practice I put upon myself. It has nothing to do with my Christian teachings. Zero. I don't put that upon you at all. So I don't want to put upon you anything that is not in the scriptures itself. That is not a New Testament commandment to us. The 613 commandments of the Old Testament have been fulfilled. We are not under any of them unless those happen to be embodied in New Testament epistle commandments. That's what we are under. If you want to go under the Old Testament commandments and say, well, this one we should and this one we shouldn't. No, if you're going to obey one, you, if you, you have to obey them all, Paul said. And there's 613 and you're going to be absolutely overwhelmed. I mean, you, you're fried, you're toast. Two-thirds of them revolve around actually the, the temple worship. So you can only obey one-third of them these days. And of those one-third, they'll wear you out. So, so we are under New Testament commandments. He says you don't have to obey these earthly sort of things. You're not under that. And So 2 Peter chapter, chapter, 1, verse 17. For when he received honor and glory from God the Father, such utterance as this was made to him by the majestic glory, this is my beloved Son with whom I am well pleased. And we ourselves heard this utterance made from heaven When we were with him on the holy mountain. So, this is, he's making reference to the the transfiguration, which we'll talk more about next time. But what he says in verse 16, he says, We're not following cleverly devised tales. And I'll tell you, those teachings of the rabbis in the Talmud are really clever. They're cleverly devised tales, but they're tales and God doesn't put us under these. The parables that we have in the scriptures that Jesus has given us, those are the stories for us to look at. And there may have well been real truth in all of those parables. I take them as these are actual occurrences that have happened or will happen or, or likeness to the kingdom of heaven. Here he says these are cleverly devised tales. He says we didn't know Christ this way. It wasn't really a cleverly devised tale. I'll read again verse 16. When we made known to you the power and the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but we were eyewitnesses of His majesty. We were eyewitnesses of His majesty. We saw it with our own eyes. If you turn a few pages over, just like one page over to 1 John. 1 John. John writes the same sort of thing when he starts his epistle in 1 John chapter 1, verse 1. What was from the beginning, what we have heard, what we have seen with our eyes, what we have looked at and touched with our hands concerning the word of life. And the life was manifested and we have seen and testify and proclaim to you the eternal life which was with the Father and was manifest to us. What we have seen and heard we proclaim to you also so that you too may have fellowship with us indeed our fellowship is with the father and with his son Jesus Christ so john is saying the same thing he says look in verse 1 of, of first john chapter 1 verse 1 from the beginning what we have heard what we have seen with our eyes what we have looked at and touched with our hands concerning the word of life. We saw Jesus, we lived with Him, we touched Him, we saw his, his rising from the dead. He was among us, we touched Him, we saw Him. This is what our faith is based on. Our faith is based upon the resurrection of Jesus Christ. It is based upon the act of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. He, was, he died for our sins, He was buried, and He rose from the dead according to... To the scriptures he rose from the dead people saw him they touched him they ate with him they fellowshiped with him he walked with them along the road he appeared to them indoors he appeared to them out of doors he appeared to them in Jerusalem he appeared to them in Emmaus he appeared to them on the road between Jerusalem and Emmaus he appeared to them way up in the north in the Galilee he appeared to them by the seaside he sat with them he ate with them he served them food he was cooking food. He was cooking uh, uh, food on, on the beach for them, uh, uh, making fish for them. He was speaking to them when they were in the water from the shore. He was communicating with them. He taught them over and over again for a period of 40 days. Our faith is based on the resurrection of Jesus Christ. I want you to remember that. It is based on a, on a historical event where there were eyewitnesses. Over 500 people saw him at one time. Hallucinations are never shared. Over 500 people saw him at one time. You can go through the list of the disciples who saw him and, 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 and who saw him over and over again. Many people saw him. His disciples saw him over and over again, they touched him. This is based on eyewitness accounts. These are not fa- cleverly devised fables that we are basing our faith upon. It is all based on Jesus. And I'll tell you, if you have Jesus, you have the ability to walk in this list of things that He's given us in chapter 1 of Second Peter. This list of things that He gave us earlier on in the chapter. Moral excellence, knowledge of Him, self-control, perseverance, godliness, brotherly kindness, And and, uh, love. We have the ability to walk in these things. And if you walk in these things, you will not be unfruitful. Remember what Jesus said in John chapter 17, verse 4. He's praying to God at the end of his life. He's praying to his Father and he says, Father, I have glorified you on earth by accomplishing the work that you have given me to do. John 17, verse 4. Father, I have glorified you on earth by accomplishing the work that you have given me to do. How did Jesus bring glory to his Father by accomplishing the work that he had been given to do and this is why Peter tells us, if you are about these sort of things, you will not be unfruitful, and your entrance into the kingdom will be glorious. it will be glorious. It will not be a defeated like entry into the kingdom that you 're just just uh, uh, you, you know dragging your behind with you into heaven because you didn't accomplish anything for the Lord no this calling can be sure in that you can be filled and accomplished and I'll tell you the only way that I know is to have fellowship with God every day every day every day every day in the Word of God every day in the Word of God and wherever I go I tell this people to this all the time and I do not remind I do not doesn't bother me to remind you of this over and over again. Peter said, look, I'm going to continue to to, to remind you of this. While I'm in this earthly tent, I'm going to continue to remind you of this. And I've said over and over again in my writings about Jesus that I write about these things in my YouTube videos, which will outlast me and uh, stay up there on the web and outlast me. They're up there that I encourage you to stay in the Word of God every day in the Word of God. And this is what will make you uh, fruitful in your life every day in the Word of God. If you want to have a defeated life, I can tell you how to have a defeated life. Don't spend much time in the Word of God and your life will be defeated. If you want to have a victorious life in Christ every day, and every day means seven days a week in the Word of God. For 45 years I've been in the Word of God every day. You're every day in the Word of God, it will change your life. You want to be successful in life, you want these things working in your life, and he tells us, if you have these working in your life, you will never stumble. These will be working in your life, and you will succeed in this if you are in the Word of God every day. That's not my promise to you, that's His promise to you. Over and over again in the scriptures, it talks about the success you will have if you meditate in the Word of God. If you do not know the Lord, I urge you this day, to know Him. I urge you to know Him this day. Uh, what you can do is you can send me a message to tour at drjamestour.org tour at drjamestour.org You can send me that message and I will be glad to get back with you and I'll tell you, I'll give you if you do not believe in the physical resurrection give me that hour with you and I'll tell you about this and, and uh, I'll be able to welcome you right into the kingdom. Then and only then can you walk in this power. First you have to receive the Lord because if you try to walk in this power without the Lord, you'll be quickly overcome. You'll be like the seven sons of Sceva. You'll get all beaten up. You won't be able to deal with it. Okay, let's, let's close in prayer. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I thank you so much for your word. Blessed be your name. You are so good. Because Lord, you have paved the way for this. By your own blood. Thank you, Lord, for your resurrection. And our faith is based on that resurrection. The resurrection of Jesus Christ. His shed blood for us on the cross. His death and his resurrection. Blessed be the name of the Lord Jesus. Father, I pray for the unbelievers that you would save souls. Lord, continue to save souls, I pray. Do a great work and save souls. And let Jesus be glorified. And Father, I give this to you. And I ask your blessing and your grace. Draw people to Jesus. Draw them to the Lord. Let Jesus be glorified. Thank you, Father.